0: Welcome to Caught My Ear, where two music-obsessed mates grab a mic and have a chat about what music they've
1: been listening to My name is Vivian And my name is Maddie So this is episode 56, so we'll start with our news segment Maddie, what is our first story?
0: Alrighty, so our first story is yet another update (laughs) on the 50th 50th anniversary of Woodstock Which has been, like, this saga has been going on since the beginning of this podcast And we finally have another update for you so I thought we'd share. Um, this is an article um, from Pitchfork, written by Matthew Ismail Ruiz, and it says Woodstock 50 sues investor, citing quote sabotage. Alrighty. So the article reads: The organizers of Woodstock 50 have filed suit in the Supreme Court of the state of New York against Denso, a Japanese firm that had agreed to finance the doomed festival scheduled for August 2019, but officially cancelled in July. Variety reports. The festival alleges that Densu group, Densu Ages Network and MKTG conspired with Densu affiliate Amplifier to instigate the breach of its contract with the festival, accusing them of quote absconding with millions of dollars and attacking the festival in the press att- in an attempt to kill the festival. The suit comes as Woodstock 50's organisers are concurrently embroiled in contractually obligated ar- arbitration with Densu. The plaintiffs claim that Densu's quote, sabotage was effective and harms and the harms inflicted by the defendants entitle them to tens of millions of dollars in compens- compensatory and punitive damages not covered by the two-party arbitration hearings. When Densu pulled out of the festival in April 2019, they claimed it was cancelled. Woodstock organisers disputed the cancellation and took Densu to court over $17.8 million they removed from a festival bank account. In court hearings, Densu's team said they stopped working on Woodstock because organisers didn't have a mass gathering permit, a finalised traffic plan, necessary road construction, an emergency response plan or sufficient security. In May, the judge ruled that the event contract did not permit Densu to cancel the event, but allowed them to keep the $17.8 million. After finding and losing new investors, finding and losing a new venue, being denied a permit, moving the festival to Maryland, making tickets free, and losing several marquee headliners, the festival was officially cancelled on July 31. There we go. Wow. <laughs> what a nightmare.
1: This is honestly like Fire Festival 2.0. <laughs>
0: It really is. Oh, my God. I hope they make a documentary about I, it.
1: Me, too. Like, just the fact that what I find so funny is, like, w- with every update that we had, like, we just saw just, like, how much things were getting worse. Like, it was like, yeah. doesn't have a permit. Oh, we've changed location. Oh, guys, guess what? It's free now. Oh, wait. No, it's cancelled. Like there are no- There's no one to perform <laughs> yet. Like. So, it doesn't surprise me that now there's, like, this big sort of legal thing happening because it's like, well given that everything that happened in the lead up to the cancellation, I'm just like, I just, of course (laughs) It's honestly the biggest hot mess Yes, it is such a mess It's ridiculous,
0: so if there are any further updates, (laughs) we will be sure to let you know, but as it stands oh. now, that's that's where we're at. So that is my first news story. Vivian, what is our second?
1: So our second story is a, a very positive story. So it's coming from NME, written by Josh Martin, and it says, Julia Jacqueline and John Butler put guitars up for auction for World Refugee Day. Julia Jacqueline and John Butler have put signed guitars up for auction to raise funds for the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre as part of the charity's World Refugee Day telethon. Jacqueline is selling her custom 70s Vintero Telecaster, signed on the back of the headstock. She uploaded a video to Instagram of her superimposed onto an image of her playing the guitar in question while heavy metal plays in the background. At the time of writing uh, that article, Jacqueline's guitar is sitting at a bid of $1,800 with 32 hours left until the auction closes. Quote, it sounds good, it looks good, it will make you look good, she wrote. The model of Butler's acoustic guitar for sale has not been specified, though a bio says it was played on the 2007 promotional tour for the John Butler Trio's Grand National Album. At the time of writing, the bids are sitting at $700. Other musical items are available to bid on as part of the telethon. Signed merchandise packs are available from Tim Minchin, Angie McMahon, and Eskimo Joe, as well as opportunities to have lunch with prom- prominent media figures, comedians, and more. So um, in the, well, by the time this goes up... The bidding will end, but um, but yeah, that's there's a link in there that you can go look at the guitars. But that's so rad. Yeah, like I think it's really cool. Um, I, I don't know too much about Julia Jacklin, but I know that John Butler has been such a um figure uh for refugees. He's always been sort of, I guess, beating the drum with um, equality and just fighting for refugee rights. And yeah, so it's pretty cool that they've done this. Um, especially because it's like. It's so, like, unique to their careers as well. Like, putting up, like, their musical instruments, it's like, oh, like, that's cool because it's like, you can tell that it's coming from
0: the heart. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised that it's only at $700. Yeah. John Butler's one anyway. Yeah.
1: I guess probably, you know, I would say that acoustic guitars are probably less... um, That's fair. Yeah, like, interesting, even though it's John (laughs) Butler's acoustic guitar, but... I don't know. You but know, um, I think it's
0: still a really good idea. So good on them for you know yeah. doing that, and like to all the other you know artists and co- comedians and celebrities and everything that are like doing doing whatever they can to mm. sort of support this cause because I think it's really really important. So yeah,
1: agreed. On them. Yeah. So that is our second story. Maddie, what is our third story?
0: Alrighty. So our third story is coming from The Guardian, and it is Australian arts support package expected after talks with Scott Morrison. So this one's written by Catherine Murphy. And it says, the Expenditure Review Committee of Cabinet is expected to sign off on a support package for the struggling arts and entertainment industry on Thursday night after talks between Scott Morrison and representatives from the entertainment sector. The support under consideration includes assistance with start up costs to help artists resume touring as public health restrictions ease, and a dedicated grants fund to help entertainment businesses replenish their capital after the economic devastation created by COVID 19. Thus far, the emergency relief for the arts from Canberra has consisted of a $27 million package announced in April directed to regional organisations, Indigenous organisations and Music Industry Outreach Outfit Support Act and the Australia Council's repurposing of $5 million in existing funding for small quick release grants. With the local industry devastated economically because of social distancing restrictions that have shut down the film and television industry, Theatres and tourism, touring shows, the states have funded support packages of various sizes, with Victoria having committed more than $51 million across the sector, and the New South Wales government pledging $50 million for a rescue and restart package. The live performance industry says the pandemic has triggered an unprecedented crisis with a catastrophic impact on jobs. But a meeting of arts ministers in late May ended in a stalemate after Canberra blocked a push from the states to broaden the JobKeeper wage subsidy to boost a struggling sector. With the, economy, with the economy reopening in stages between now and July, Cabinet is mulling support packages for specific sectors, including tourism, energy and manufacturing, as well as pondering the future of JobKeeper and the extra income support provided through JobSeeker. The Prime Minister said the entertainment and cultural sectors are obviously doing things very tough and the challenges will endure longer than most. He said any second wave of COVID-19 infections would create even more devastation
1: for the industry. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I think the entertainment industry or the arts sector in general is it's going to take a long time to um, bounce back, even with social distancing measures in place and everything. So, I mean, I think any sort of help that it can get is much needed. Yeah, but... for sure. I think, yeah,
0: I, as much as, you know, they, they're still, you know, pledging these support packages mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. It's like, I <laughs> I don't fully believe that ScoMo, like, wants to actually do it. Because no one, you, you see all the time, they're like, oh yeah, everyone relies on the arts during mm-hmm. these times of crisis and they're always like the first ones to you know put up their hand and like you know let's raise money by doing concerts or you know all of that stuff during the pandemic and it's like they just sort of like get cast aside when it comes to like actual like concrete you know support from the government and Mm -hmm. funding and all the rest of it and it's just a shame that it's sort of like left to the wayside for us to sort of like pick up the scraps of what's left.
1: Well that's the thing and I also think it also comes down to I guess a broader sort of perspective on the arts sector. You know, like I, I feel like there's a lot of people in power who who don't understand just how much the arts sector brings, not just economically but culturally and you know, for tourism, just so many different things mm. like And it's just sad that, you know, these are people's livelihoods, like, and for, you know, for some reason, that's just not good enough for some people. Yeah, which is a shame. Exactly.
0: But yeah, that is our third and final story for this episode. Um, So before we move on to our song section, we encourage you, like we do every week, to pause the podcast, go down to the description where you'll find the links to our Spotify and YouTube playlists, and you can check out the songs that we are talking about this episode so you don't get lost and you can confused when we talk about some weird production things or some <laughs> weird riff that we're talking about. So please go do that. But um, we will kick it off with Song of the Week.
1: So, Vivian, what have you got for us? So my Song of the Week this week is Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice by Life After Youth. So, of course, if you've seen the movie, you'll understand that reference. If not, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Too bad. Or the musical, frankly. Yes. The musical as well. (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah. So, this song, it actually came up on my um, Discover Weekly. And I was actually contemplating putting this in my Under a Rock section, but I've been listening to it all week. Like, every day I've just thrown this song on. So, I was like, it has to be my song of the week. And what I really like about this is it's such a... It's a very dark like, sort of dark and vibey song, mm. if that makes sense. But the very cool part is it's got this really interesting guitar riff that sort of plays throughout the intro um, and after the chorus. Like, it's sort of like a staple, a main staple in the song. But it's got this really cool effect on it. I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's a chorus effect, but it sort of sounds similar to what that sounds like. But then when the lead vocalist comes in, it's like he's got this really interesting voice he's got this really like powerful just very like i guess rustic <laughs>
0: <laughs> throwback to last
1: <laughs> week <laughs> um voice that comes in and it's really cool like it sort of fits within the within the tone of the song but then after so i guess like in the sort of main refrain. It's not like a proper chorus, like Overdrive on the guitars come in and it's very like out of place for a second. You're like, wait, what kind of like, where does this, I guess, what genre is this song? And I think that's what I really like about it because the band um, Life After Youth, they've been very vocal about the fact that they're like this grungy pop rock band that's how they classify themselves and i think that's really cool because this song definitely fits within that yeah
0: for sure like when you were playing it for me i was sort of trying to figure out i was like is this like pop rock is it like a little bit not pop i just yeah i couldn't really place it which is which is interesting it's cool to be sort of like in the middle of genres and like mixing all of those sort of like influences together because it's sort of you know like you don't want to be put in a box, and I think that's, you know, like, kudos to them for sort of exploring that, um, exploring that area, but yeah, I quite, I quite enjoyed Mm. listening to this song, like, I, I didn't think it was, like, overly fantastic, because it's not, like, a song that, you know, I would normally listen Mm. to, but, Mm. like, I didn't hate it, and it was, like, I, it was just, like, you know, sort of playing in the background, and I was, like, happy listening to it, and it was really, really, it was, it was really cool, I did enjoy it, but, yeah. Mm. Not my yeah. style, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not like a typical Maddie song. Um yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's okay. And yeah, like it's cool though, because I've listened to I listened to their other stuff as well, and they're very like yeah, they really do sort of play on those individual like this song definitely fits within like this sort of grungy pop section, but then they've got other songs which are very like 1975-esque kind of vibe. So, yep. yeah, they like to experiment, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So, um, that is my song of the week this week. Uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice by Life After Youth. Maddie, what is your song of the week?
0: Alrighty, my song of the week this week is called Can't Fight by an artist I have talked about a million times. Probably <laughs> it's Leanne LeHavis. So, this is um, the second single of her upcoming album, which I believe is coming out in like a month's time, which is exciting. Um, So, this song, um, in comparison to like the last couple, it's a little bit more upbeat, Um, but yeah, still definitely within like Leanne's sort of like genre of, it's sort of like this mix of like jazz and R&B mm. and kind of like soul influences sort of like mixed into one. And that is what I think I, I really, really like it's something that sort of grabs me about her music. Cause it's not something that I listen to often. And I feel like not a lot of artists that I've listened to that sort of like, you know, do jazz influences, like sort of like grab me in that way. And I think, like that's partly to do with her Mm. voice Mm. because she's gorgeous and I absolutely love listening to her like as soon as I I probably mentioned this before but um I discovered her when I went to um the Coldplay concert like a couple of years ago at like Suncorp she opened for them and like as soon as she I was so glad I went early to see Mm. those openers because if if I hadn't I would not have like like, even discovered her, probably. And mm. I'm so glad that I did, because this song is really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, this is a lot more of an upbeat one. Um, definitely a lot more jazz influences than a lot of her other songs. And the guitar part is so cool. So, she is a guitarist, so she's probably done it. That's so awesome. Um, and that was really, really awesome, too. Like, when I was watching her live, is because she was playing all of these really, really awesome, like, guitar riffs and, like, all these really cool... Um, Like, she's very rhythmic Mm. in the way that she plays the guitar, which is really cool. She definitely focuses on, like, rhythm and syncopation and all of that sort of stuff, um, rather than, you know, like, a lot of sort of dexterity-based things. Um, But, yeah, that's something that I really like, and I definitely like the song. I've been playing it sort of on loop (laughs) for a while.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, when you played it for me, I was so – I just loved how upbeat it was. That guitar just draws you in instantly, Mm. and it just keeps you there, which I I really – I really love um, that about the song. Especially because like, like you said it is so rhythmic and I feel like with her voice and like we've spoken about her in the past she does sort of fit into like this jazz lounge sort of music type thing and when you have something as like upbeat and rhythmic as that guitar in the backing it sort of just opens up another lane for her I think yeah. that we're just not exposed to before but yeah I really dug it.
0: I think also like something that I really enjoy about her voice is like you can especially in this song especially in this song I don't know if it's just me but I feel like because of the sort of vibe that this song gives off I feel like you can hear that she's like smiling when she's singing yes and I love that she's got such a like bright tone mm-hmm. in this song and you can def- like I can just picture it because she's like like literally the album cover is her doing this like big smile it's like a big close up on her face
1: I love that and you can just
0: like picture that like while while you're listening to this song and I really love it so yeah that is my song of the week this week it is Can't Fight by Leanne Le Havis. and so we will move into Under a Rock now and I will start us off with mine and it is Too Much by Ro James and Miguel um, so I've never heard of Ro James before Ever. But I have heard of Miguel. Um, definitely haven't like delved into his music as much as I want to because mm. I really am a huge fan of his vocal ability. For He's sure. Absolutely amazing control, gorgeous tone, mm. like, but something that is really, really interesting about him, like the way that I feel like a lot of the music, well, a lot of the music of his that I have listened to, it really uses distortion very very well and like in new interesting ways i think and like because it's not like all throughout the song or it's not in like one particular sort of moment it sort of like comes in and out in like different and it's not just like on his voice too it's like within the production and like all of these other different things and yeah i really really like this song it's sort of this like slow R&B type thing but it's a little bit like it's got like an edge to it which is sort of like typical of what I've heard of Miguel's music um but yeah I want to sort of like dive into Roe James too and what like Mm. that artist is sort of all about and I think the the pairing of the two has like worked really really well on this song
1: yeah and I think it's so interesting because yeah I've never I've never heard of Roe James before either but his voice was so fascinating to me especially in this sort of genre because the instrumentation and the production in this song is so weird like yeah and i know that's a weird like an odd term to use but i i feel like the production doesn't sort of like it doesn't build it sort of just sort of stays the same throughout the song but it's so like it draws you in like Mm. it's sort of hard to explain like it I feel like it doesn't get boring. I think also the
0: vocal layering that's sort of used throughout also helps with that. Like it's definitely, like you said, it's sort of a very static Mm. um, sort of like backing in terms of production and instrumentation and stuff like that. But yeah, there is like a lot of sort of vocal layering and like different tidbits here and there that sort of like pop up throughout the song that I think Mm. sort of like keep your interest while you're listening to it, which I find really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's my
1: under a rock too much by Ro James and Miguel Vivian. What is your under a rock this week? So my under a rock this week is Lily and the moon by Thornhill. So again, this came up on my discover weekly. Um, and I just fell in love instantly. Um, I did a little bit of digging. Thornhill is like a metalcore metalcore band from Melbourne, which was really cool. Oh, they're Australian. Yeah, I cool. love I love the fact that they're Australian. Love that. Um, they've this song is coming from their debut album that they just released in October last year. So, and apparently they are very sort of they're just gaining a lot of traction in in the music industry at the moment, which is really cool. But this song, "Lily in the Moon," I was just sort of enthralled by how atmospheric but heavy but like it's just it's I guess you would say it's like a mix between a metal and prog rock song like it's metal in the sense that there's overdrive there's heavy distortion on the guitars the percussion is very rhythmic but it's sort of prog rock in the sense that it's very atmospheric it feels like a space rock song if you've li- if you if <laughs> If you know what I mean, you'll understand when you listen to this song. Um and it's cool because it does have a lot of space references in it because it's basically about the lead singer's dog called Lily and he's basically just showing his love for her in this really it's just so it's so beautiful the way he talks about this dog like he sort of says that you know, take me to the moon, I know that's where we're going to meet one day, I see you everywhere, you're so beautiful. Like, it's just so sweet. It's so cute. And I love it so much. And I just, I love the fact that it's just, you know, sort of dedicated to to Lily, which I love, but, you know, I guess someone else who would listen to this song and can't relate, you know, if they don't have a pet or a dog, whatever, you know, they could sort of think of it as a love song, which it is, in a sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, the production is really, really cool because like I said before, the, I love listening to metal, metalcore. It's really right down my lane, but I also do really love that sort of prog rock. Um, and it's cool that it's like a combination of both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'm going to be like a big word word (laughs) here. Um, but (laughs) I love like the juxtaposition. (laughs) I, I hate myself using that, but like the the vocals are so beautiful and yes. like soft and atmospheric as you've used before and just so lovely mm-hmm. to listen to and then you've got this like opposite backing that's going underneath it's a lot like heavier like it's not overly no like no. intense which i'm sure you know you wouldn't hate if it was <laughs> but yeah it's 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 definitely interesting to hear like how different like, the vocals are in comparison to what's going on underneath it. It's so interesting, but it somehow sort of, like, still melds in mm. really well. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I don't love the song. <laughs> um, I think the, the like, the concept overall is beautiful, and I love that. I yeah. think it's adorable. Uh, but, yeah, like, I don't love listening to it. But I think it's really, really cool what they've tried to do. And, mm. yeah, I definitely think it's paid off for them if you are into that type of music
1: yeah and i definitely think because i listened to their um other stuff from their album and this is probably like one of the least heavier songs which i think is good in a sense because it still has those elements in it but i guess for people i guess like maddie who don't listen to this sort of stuff it is more accessible and probably you know if if people listen to this song and they're interested and then they go into the rest of the album and they're (laughs) like oh maybe it's too heavy for me that's that's okay they still have this song to go back to so yeah so yeah um that is my under a rock this week lily and the moon by thornhill now we will head into court my ear and i'll kick us off so my song for this week is barefoot in the park by james blake featuring rosalia so Again, James Blake. I think this is the third or fourth time I've I talked it. I this is getting a bit... Ex- it's, either, it's either James Blake or the 1975. It's one or the other. <laughs> I know, or Marion Hill. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just have these staples, and I just, you know, I can't help but it. But it's
0: good, though, because we keep having these people who are, like, you know, yeah. doing all of these interesting things. I know. Yes. Fantastic to listen
1: to. And I was saying to Maddie before we started recording, I was saying that we should just dedicate Caught My Ear to James Blake. Every we should... week I could find a song to, put, <laughs> <laughs> to we'll put just in. go through
0: his discography and talk about a James Blake song every episode.
1: Yeah. Um, so this song, um, it's actually from an album that he released last year. So it's a little bit older. But it's very cool. So very typical of James Blake and... I just really... What I really love, though, is the collaboration that he has with um, Rosalia. It's so... I haven't... Now, I haven't delved into her music, but um, she sort of kicks off the song in beautiful Spanish. She sings so beautiful, beautifully, and I was just like, oh, this is so such a nice, like, way to open the song. But the production is just, again, like, it's this very weird, like, intricate, almost like... It's interesting because the song is called Barefoot in the Park and it feels it's going to sound weird but it does feel like you're surrounded by nature when you're listening to mm, the song. I yeah. feel like the production really does sort of play on that a little bit. Um but yeah, James Blake, I mean, we don't really need to talk about his vocals because everyone knows. Well, everyone should know. That yeah. He's- well, if you
0: haven't listened to our past episodes because we have gone To, like, gone through that in depth. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So what I will say is that I love the sort of the message of this song. It is a love song, but it's sort of talking about how um, I'm walking barefoot in the park. You're starting to rub off on me. That's that's the chorus, basically. And it's talking about this idea of when you're with someone and you start adopting their, like, mannerisms or you start adopting, like, their... Not necessarily their beliefs, but they sort of make you see a part of yourself that you never saw before. And I just love how that is all said in the title, like, Barefoot in the Park, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I just love it. It's such a... It's such a cool track. Um, I've just been full steam ahead on the James Blake trip. <laughs> Which I'm so glad.
0: I'm so glad you have. I know. But I just want to talk about Rosalia for a second. Yes. Because I... Had never heard of her before. Like, I... Sorry, i have like, heard her name sort of, like, mm-hmm. thrown around here and there. Because I think she's getting a lot of, sort of, traction in, like, America yes. and Europe and stuff at the moment. But not really down under. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, like, her voice is so beautiful and delicate. And, like, I love... I don't know if she sort of sings like this normally, but definitely in this song, like, her vibrato is brought out a lot. Yes. And I love that. It's sort of this really... I think it like goes really well with the song. It's sort of like shaky but not in a really like weak. Yes. Weak way. That's such a good point. Um, yeah. But like yeah, it's got this sort of like trem like sort of like trembling quality to it. Mm-hmm. Listen to the song and you'll get what I mean. It 100% makes but, sense. But like yeah, it's it's so interesting and she's so gorgeous at the same time. And mm-hmm. then yeah, obviously James Blake is amazing. And I love everything that he does. But yeah, I definitely big fan, big fan of this collaboration. I think
1: yeah, and it's such an unlikely collaboration, which I think is really cool because I feel like yeah, a few weeks ago um, I talked about Kalani and James Blake, like which again I was not expecting. It yeah, enough, but that song works. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like James Blake is just the missing ingredient from every song, <laughs> from every <laughs> collaboration. Just put him in every
0: single artist he has to collab
1: with, with everyone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that is My Caught My Ear this week, Barefoot in the Park by James Blake featuring Rosa, Leah, Maddie, over to you.
0: My Caught My Ear this week is called Patagonia by Jelani Arye. I think that's how you say yes, it. Yes, I think I so think, too. I think I
1: did that justice.
0: <laughs> um, so I had never heard of this guy before. Um, he's 19. Um, he's from America. And Gosh. this song, Patagonia, I think it's off his latest album. Um, this was going to be like my Under a Rock, but I liked the production way too much to put it in that, in that sure. segment. So basically, like you find as soon as this song starts, it has this really, really beautiful sort of like arpeggio type, you know, like um, melody line. That goes throughout basically the whole song, mm. and it's like this backing, it's sort of this, you know, like synthesized um, sort of element to it. But it's so cool, it, it is. is so awesome. It's got this weird sort of like um, atmospheric, like aura to it. Yes, I guess. it's it puts <laughs> this really, really, really cool sort of um, like vibe around the whole song, and it's really beautiful. Um, I've I sort of because I wanted to like get like sort of an idea of what Jelani's music was kind of like. And so mm-hmm. I like read a couple of articles and interviews and things. And apparently a lot of his, um, he gets compared to Frank Ocean a lot. Okay. So if yep. you've never, if you haven't listened to this song yet and you're just listening to what I'm saying, definitely if you've heard any Frank Ocean music, sort of go along that vibe, yep. go down that road but don't stay there too long because he's definitely got a really, really cool flair that isn't like Frank Ocean because his voice is gorgeous.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's very, very rich. And, like, he sort of stays a lot sort of in, like, the lower kind of register throughout this song. And I think it really does a really good service to his vocal ability, like, down there in that range.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and with this song, too, because the because this sort of, like, um, weird arpeggio thing that's going through the whole thing. It's very, very sort of high up um, in terms of pitch. And so the two of them sort of together is really, really cool. And it's sort of this like alternative R&B type sort of genre, but not quite. Mm. And I find that really, really cool.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think it's very hard to place what this song could fit into, but I would definitely say it's more sort of on the alternative... R&B side than anything else because yeah like when you said that Frank Ocean that people compare into Frank Ocean I I could definitely as soon as you said that like something clicked for me where I was like okay yeah I can see that but again he's got this own flair like this own this different element to his style of music that like Frank Ocean, like, they're just two in a way, like, two different worlds, I would say. Yeah,
0: for sure, like, that's it though, like they're they're similar, but so different at the same time, and I think that is incredible for someone who is so young. Exactly. To have such an amazing sort of sense of of style and sense of, like, genre and what you want to create at 19, like, that's insane. Insane. And, like, to have the vocal ability that he does also at that age is incredible, so... That is why I just had to talk about this song. So good. Um, please listen to it. And I really want to listen to the rest of his stuff because I'm so interested to see how he sort of manipulates that style in different mm. songs and sort of how that plays out. And I really, really want to you know, get a sense of The full sort of Jelani experience. (laughs) I love that. um, So, yeah, that is my court, my ear this week is Patagonia by Jelani Arie. So thank you so much for listening to this episode, guys. If you got all the way through, um, you can check us out
1: on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Castbox, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast fix. And you can follow us on social media at Caught My Ear Pod, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that's where you can send us your recommendations. We haven't had one for a while, guys. Getting what's lonely. going on? <laughs> Come on, we know how much you guys love listening to us. I and know. Listening to us talk about music, Our so... beautiful voices. <laughs> I don't understand why. We don't know why this is happening, but whatever. Yeah, um, it's no. Fine. But seriously, please send us your recommendations. We'll honestly listen to anything. That's why we created this podcast. Um, And you can also let us know your thoughts about the songs that we talked about this week. Do you agree? Do you disagree? We'd love to hear any and all your thoughts. But yes, until then, you can join us on Monday for a brand new episode. Bye guys! See ya!